0: Hi, I'm Paul Listick, and welcome to Behind the Curtain. Yes, The Best of My Love. What a great song. No, this isn't, uh, I'm not going to be playing uh, records for you here as we go on, but we are going to be talking about a show where you can hear that. Welcome, everybody. This is Behind the Curtain Podcast. This is Paul Lisnick with you, and I know you're used to hearing me do politics on WGN-TV, but I get to play theater here on the WGN Podcast. So joining me now, it's going to be a really busy show, and joining me for our first show uh, is the cast and the director-choreographer of a fantastic show called 8-Track at Theo Ubuke. It's one of my favorite theaters in the City. If you've never been there, you need to try it out. Actually, it's in it's in Evanston, uh, up on Howard. But you can have dinner and watch the show and be at a little table. And man, it's kind of like the old days. It's it's so fabulous. But let me introduce my guests to you. The director and choreographer of Eight Track is Jamal Howard. He's with me, and Patrick O'Keefe and Jasmine Lacey Young, two of the stars, two of the primary featured stars in a track you all do such a great job i welcome all of you jamal i'm going to start with you and just sort of say listen this has like 50 songs I, maybe more i haven't actually counted a ton of songs well it's got 50 ways to leave your lover that's why the number 50 is in my head um and and so many car washing close to you i know it was conceived by rick sieber but who put these songs together and i'm sure you're hearing from people to say how about this song you missed it
1: Yeah, um, it was Rick Sieber who put these songs together and figured out how to make them all work in that sense. And then we uh, played with the story and embellished some things and figured out how we were going to weave through those songs.
0: And there is some story to it. Patrick, of course, one of the things I get out of kick out of you and Jasmine, I remembered I knew every one of these songs. I lived through every one of these songs. And then I looked at you guys and said, I'm not sure you did. Um, so, so, Patrick, were you were you a fan of and familiar with the music of the 70s? Or did you have to kind of get up to speed by going, oh, it's a little before my time?
2: I was. I was a big fan. I'd say mostly all the disco songs are ones that I've known forever and ones that i just listen to you to have fun and and turn on at a party. But there were a lot of songs, especially the ones that I sing that I had never heard before. And it was really fun to kind of go down that rabbit hole and, and discover the ones that I didn't know.
0: And Jasmine, I guess a similar question for you as well, but you know, they kind of turn to you when it's time to maybe belt a song. I'm thinking of a song I'm going to play later, I Am Woman, which you do so so phenomenally. But uh, how about you as well? Always a fan of the 70s? Or did you look at this and say, man, Helen Reddy, there were some great artists in this show.
3: I um, grew up on this music. My mom has always been a, a huge fan of the 70s. And so the like you know the Carpenters were you know my heroes when I was younger oh, me too. I loved them so much. Um so yeah no a lot of there was like Patrick said some songs that I was like oh I haven't heard this one you know like convoy things like this that had such like cult following with those songs but for the majority I knew all of them and you know getting to do these iconic songs you know you got to know where they come from and who started them you know and you know made them famous so it's really fun to
0: go back to that era and Jamal, you know, I'm sure I'm sure you attended a lot of the shows. Obviously, you're, you're there, but things are underway. Um, what kind of comments are you getting from audience members? Do you get a lot of folks like me who live through it um, and are just they just want to talk to you and the cast members about? Oh, let me tell you what I was doing at that time, which is probably illegal. Um, or, or you know, is there is there a sense of a uh, boy? it was just so great to, to open this up. I, I went one night with my brother and my sister in law, and across for me was a family, and they had you know clearly the parents had lived through it, but they had some little kids with them. Kind of reaches out for. Everybody, Jamal.
1: Yeah, the show does a really good job entertaining all different ages. Um, but the majority of the people we get out are people that lived through the 70s. And I get all sorts of comments that are just so like, how'd you get that right? Or "Oh, that person is exactly like somebody I knew or uh, just different things like that. People are really just feeling like they're reliving the decade. Through
0: the show, and Patrick, I know you've done shows like Mama Mia, and so you know you've you've been in these sort of uh, you know songbook kinds of shows. Is that something you like to do, or is this just kind of a, a way to put some stress aside for a while? Um, and I and I saw you in Head Over Heels, by the way, with Coke Candy. So, is, I mean, is it all about the, these musical forays for you?
2: Um, I wouldn't say I I search for them, um, but it's always fun when a show has one sort of central theme or, or something driving it. So like with Head Over Heels, it was all about the Go-Go's. And with this one, it's all about the 70s, obviously. So it's great to have kind of a, like a North Star that we're following, um, and we can always watch videos from the 70s, watch Sonny and Share, or watch Soul Train, um, and have something just to kind of like immerse yourself in and feel yeah. like you're in the world of
0: Thank you for saying Sonny and Share today. People know about Share; they're not sure Sonny was around. He was. Um, <laughs> yeah. and, and, and Jasmine, I know you've done Legally Blonde and and My Way. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm I'm sort of curious what you know when you get in these shows. I mean, man. In fact, I believe in your bio you said something like, you know, live theater is back. This has mm-hmm. to be so, and it's such an intimate space at the Oubuquet. It's got to be so great to be back with people. Yes,
3: honestly, you know, in regards to the the question you asked patrick i love these types of shows i do search for them like i want to just sing and be in this world and just like know exactly what kind of play that i'm in you know what i mean like we you know we know so much about the 70s there was a lot of of material to look back on you know so again like with legally blonde too you know that is so heavily influenced with the 2000s like these are time periods these are period pieces in itself and those are so much fun and singing in the different styles it's everything I ever want as an actor singer you know this is just it's been a blast
0: and, you know, you, there was something about the, the, one of your costumes, the way but it reminded me that, and and I think, Jamal, that there was no Cass Elliott mm-hmm. songs in this, but I, could have, I just kind of looked at Jasmine and I could totally see her doing a Cass Elliott number in there, Dream a Little <laughs> Dream of Me, one of those fantastic things. Jasmine, I'll yeah. ask you, have you heard that from anybody else or am I the first to say to you like you do incredible with her numbers?
3: No, I haven't. I have not heard that, but thank you. That's such an honor. Yeah, I thought I was, I yeah, I, was, I loved to hear that.
0: Oh, she was so amazed. <laughs> so, Jamal, why didn't you have any Cass Elliot songs? She was 70s. It's not, I couldn't choose.
1: <laughs> I was given the show. I couldn't choose
2: what songs.
0: <laughs> you're, a, you're a director. you got the power to just go, hey, you know what? We're, we're taking that out and we're putting this in. No, I know
1: you can't really. You know, that. something we did was we kind of stuck to the music that was given to us um, to give us a really strong framework and when those choices, I think they actually helped us create some things that maybe we wouldn't have if we just decided to do whatever we wanted to.
0: It's a good point. And, you know, Patrick, again, and there are themes in this show. I mean, there's sort of a war theme that goes on. But it is funny that you said you sort of think back to the love child thing because your costumes and everything, to me, sort of said, yeah, you're, dre- you're the hippie guy who probably back during that time, if you were around, I'm not going to say what you were smoking, but you were probably hanging with your friends, having a good time, and really getting down this music. And we kind of feel that with you in this show.
2: Absolutely, yeah. I think um, our costume and uh, really everyone involved with the show did a great job of making it super realistic. It's not a cheesy kind of, we're not winking, saying, hey, it's 70s. It feels very lived in, and it feels like each of us really... Depped right out of the decade and has a backstory and, and like you said yeah i probably was with my friends smoking, you know, whatever we were smoking.
0: Right. That's part of your character (laughs) development, right? Okay, guys, let's just assume we've been smoking. By the way, who has something here? We can try. No. Um, And and Jasmine, one of the things I'm curious, I know this is probably Jamal's question, but I'll ask you. What I really appreciated Mm -hmm. about the show, and of course back then it was free love and all this kind of stuff, but this show presents, at least to me, it presented um, same-sex relationships, different-sex relationships. I mean, it just, it was sort of, that that was part of the theme. I'm sort of curious, were you given some freedom by Jamal, the director, to to take things in whatever directions you wanted, or was that something in the script?
3: Yeah, so, I mean, Jamal um, and our assistant director, Jay, had a vision of where these stories were going to go, and then, you know, it was a collaborative effort in finding out, oh, what can be this moment between me, you and Mia or, you know, whatever, and, you know, getting to change some of the tones of the songs, like my song with Patrick, Doing Just the Way You Are Together and, you know, making it about our best friendship is, like, It was just really fun getting to take these songs and how people know them and and getting to put a story on top of it that you wouldn't necessarily expect. But definitely all Jamal. But there was so much collaboration with this show, too, which was so much fun and just getting to do fun conversations about like, let's see if this works, let's see if this does it, you know.
0: Well, to me, it all worked, and, and, and I have to tell you, in fact, I didn't have a clip of just the way you are. That was one of the ones I was hoping for because I did want to play something <laughs> with you two together, um, but I couldn't do that. Um, with, with time running, I just want to let everybody know, and by the way, even if you sit through the first act of the show and you say, okay, this is kind of fun, it's the second act, I just got to say, that knocks your socks off. So, Jamal, congratulations <laughs> on directing that. That is uh-huh. such the Thank energy you. and the power of the second act. You just walk out. I was dancing with my brother and my sister. It was just fantastic. Oh, <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. So, a track is at Thank Theo you. Ubuke Theater. It's up at seven twenty one Howard Street. Uh, it's playing through January twenty third. Jamal, still the same date? No, no extensions or anything.
1: No extensions yet.
0: Well, oh, ah, oh, okay. Then we're going to have to look for that. Cool. And you can look for that by going to the website Theo. T-H-E-O-U.org Theo-U.org Or get tickets at 773-939-4101 You'll find that information also in the description of this podcast I wish I had more time But I don't on this one So Jamal Howard, Patrick O'Keefe, Jasmine Lacey Young I am sure we will talk on a future project Congratulations on this show I just had a blast uh, And even though we're catching you towards the end of the run I just wanted to talk to you and say good job I really loved it, thank you so much We're going to go out with little Jasmine music by the way Hey, here's little Jasmine
3: Oh yes I am one.
0: All right, and after that uh, high-energy show, we go to another high-energy show, but one with a heck of a lot of laughing, playing at the Broadway Playhouse, and it's called The Play That Goes Wrong, and yeah... Everything that can go wrong does, except this play goes right. It gets it right for Chicago. What a treat and what a what a, a great evening out at the theater as we all come out of this pandemic and just want to find a way to laugh. Joining me to talk about this fantastic show, two of the stars, Matt Mueller who plays Chris and Kelly O'Sullivan who plays Sandra. Guys, thank you for joining me. And I, and I'm, man, I'm going to start. I'm going to tell you something. Uh, Wait, well, no, you know what? First, let me let me come to you, Matt. Talk a little bit about the plot of this play. I can't make my point without this what is this farce all about
4: oh, sure 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 so um it's uh it's the cornley university drama society um who is putting on this putting on this play called the, the the murder at havisham manor um and they're very serious about it uh they're thrilled to be getting to do this show um and uh from the get-go things start to go awry um and Uh, They do their best to get through this show um, no matter sort of what falls down or who falls over or whatever may happen, um, and it's uh – it's yeah, it's 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 it, sort of dare anyone to not laugh if they come see it. it. It's just it's just it's a it's a joy to see. It's a joy to do, um, and it's just very very funny. It's kind of as simple as that. So. Yeah,
0: it, it, it's it's just laugh your socks off. And and Kelly, so your character Sandra. But here's what's interesting: when I just started to kind of get together, do my homework, all of a sudden I'm going through my program from opening night, and I'm going, I why don't I see uh, Kelly O'Sullivan in here? Because there's a page before we ever get to you guys. <laughs> In which we're actually, as as uh, uh, Matt was just saying, this is like a play within a play. So before we realize who you really are, we actually find out who your actor name is and the character that you're playing. We're two levels away from Kelly O'Sullivan.
5: <laughs> That's right. Yeah, you get to read Sandra's bio, which is um, interesting. And all of our headshots are really interesting, too. Um, sort of amateur, but people trying really hard <laughs> to be professionals or seem like professionals
0: so so man i gotta tell you here's i'm gonna be candid with you i am not a fan of like british farce kinds of shows and and so <laughs>
4: okay
0: yeah so i'm just being and i'm saying that because the night that i came i was like oh, i don't know well i want to see it we will get there it was so funny that either i am completely wrong about my hesitancy of british farce shows or this show just does away with with everything that concerned me i laughed Throughout the show, and I think Matt, it's the way that so many of you kind of break that fourth wall, play with the audience. You add that level in there that is just incredible fun.
4: Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm so, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm thrilled, to, I'm thrilled to hear that. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, I, I, I am, I am a, a fan of of the British farce. You I'm should also be actually a fan of the kind of, you know, the, the the British Agatha Christie murder mystery kind of thing, which is, is, you know, this is a, a takeoff of. um but it's I, yeah, it's it's you know, and it, even I think people could think, oh, it's this is gonna be like um you hear the murder havershire manner and you kinda think PBS hour kind of dry and <laughs> right. um it's but it is it's it's just so silly and the the thing that the thing that A makes the show work and is the engine for the show and I mean um it is is the audience and the audience interaction. I mean it's from from the get go, the the kind of the, the energy back and forth between the audience and everybody up on stage is really what, what fires it up and pushes, pushes it along. Um, and that's, that's where the joy and like the enjoyment and the, the hilarity comes out of. Um, so uh, yeah, I mean, you, you, you're absolutely right. It's just like, it's just, um, you, you, it, it's like a it's like a roller coaster. Basically, once right. you get on, it, you don't get off until the end. So,
0: and and what's so great is, I mean, sometimes you break that fourth wall with the audience, like Colton Adams, uh, who who plays Trevor. <laughs> he does it all because, and again, he's two levels away, right? Colton is two levels away from who he is. We think he's a sound guy. We think he's a, all these things that he right. is, and yet he's talking to the audience sometimes because he's just mad at us, or or um, <laughs> or you're talking to us because you're mad at us and whatever. But I have to I have to give a shout out to Jared uh, Jared Webb who plays Max because he's the one character of all who likes throughout the whole show knows we're there and loves the fact that we're there and loves connecting (laughs) with us throughout. It's just, it is just hysterical. Kelly, when I I come to you, talk about your role because your character has some issues during the show and uh, we never know what's going to happen to you next.
5: Yeah, yeah. I like to think of my character as being really ambitious, that she has a very particular way that she wants the play to go and her scene partners may not be in alignment with the way that she wants the show to go. Um And then she undergoes, I would say, one of the biggest mishaps that happens in the show, and I don't <laughs> want to give it away, but... Right. um it involves, it involves um, a lot of physicality and then the entrance of another actor coming in. So, yeah, it's
0: super fun. So, Matt, I know that, again, people have to see the show. I can't even describe some of the things they're going to see. A, number one, I'm ruining the surprise. I won't do that. But I guess I'm going to ask a couple of questions in this way. First of all, all the things that go wrong, does anything ever go wrong, Matt, that's not supposed to go wrong, but the audience doesn't know it because we just think it's one more thing that went wrong?
4: <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, the short answer is yes. Um it's cuz you know it's like it's like it's like any other theater show there are there are things that that you know there're mishaps and little things that that happen um but it is it is sort of one of the beauties of this show that when that kind of stuff does happen because we're in this world of things falling down and lord knows what's going to actually go wrong it's very hard to tell what going wrong and what's going right and what should be going right and should going wrong so um, there's I, I think there's maybe a little bit of an extra freedom in there um, but but it is it is so one of the one of the cool things about doing this show is it is so very precise um, kind of the math of it all um, that uh, it's you know it's a highly choreographed um, very efficient kind of um, funny machine that we all get to be a part of so um, yeah, th- things do go wrong uh, but because of the the immense wrongness of the show it's very hard to tell I'd say.
0: And Matt I'm going to stay with you on this because if something goes wrong here's the thing because your characters often quote unquote break character to react the truth is you could probably actually laugh at something which is Matt laughing at it but we'll never know because to us it could be Chris it could be any of three different people laughing at it when you laugh if that is so do you ever actually laugh and it's for real but we don't get it?
4: Oh ab- ab- I mean absolutely that's that's another part of it. It's, it can be, especially with these brilliant people who we get to do the show with, it can be very, very difficult to keep a straight face um, <laughs> throughout, throughout the two hours of the show. Um, so that's all. I mean, that's, that's just another, another perk of getting to do a show like this with the people we get to do it with. Yeah. Um, and, and, and just, you know, based on what the reaction from the audience is, that can also, um, you know, tickle, tickle your own personal funny bone, whether it's, Chris or Inspector Carter, whoever, whoever it is, there's, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of chance for hilarity and laughing on, on, on both sides of the fourth wall, I'd say.
5: And Kelly, I I, I break almost every night. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, (laughs) I broke for the first time last night in a place that I had never broken before, and it's because we had an understudy go on, and he was doing so many new interesting things that I had to turn myself fully upstage just hoping (laughs) that the audience wouldn't see this very serious actor, um, you know, totally cracking
0: up. I love it. So that's Kelly realizing that your character actor wouldn't break so that you can't. Uh, That's great. And I have to ask you, Kelly, as well, look, there's things, again, without giving too much away. Let's just say things involve floors and ceilings and, you know, whatever and and things that get ramp like as a result. And as I'm watching this, first of all, I think the audience gets frightened for the characters who are in this. Uh, Do you what you have to get special training? It's almost like fight training, right? I mean, there have to be very specialized training to get through something like this because no no set is like this in a typical show.
5: That's right. That's why we went to New York to rehearse the play on the set off Broadway, because there's no way to rehearse it just in a bare room. And we rehearsed with actors who have played these roles for years so that they could give us all of the tips that they've acquired, all the way that they preserve their bodies. Because like you say, it is actually very dangerous unless you learn it in in a very choreographed, precise way.
0: Well, as my review said, the play that goes wrong gets it right, uh, for Chicago. And it's at the Broadway Playhouse, which, by the way, I love that theater. It's, I do a show called Backstage, which, which in which we often get to, we haven't, you know, because of COVID, we haven't uh, taped it in a while, but I tape it in your space and on your stage. And, um, so I just love that environment. And, um, the play that goes wrong is at the Broadway Playhouse through February 13th with tickets at BroadwayInChicago.com. And I, I, you know, I made the point I did earlier, even though it was kind of dangerous to say, hey, I'm not a big fan of British farce, because I say that because if people are fans of British farce, well, they're going to love it anyway. But the good news is, if you were like I was, then this is the show to see because it will just defy any concerns you have and you will just absolutely crack up. I absolutely loved it. And you guys are, are just amazing in it. And let your cast member, fellow cast members, know they all just do an incredible job. And you all need to stay safe up there because anything can happen. <laughs> That's great, right. thank you, Matt Mueller, Kelly O'Sullivan. The show is the play that goes wrong. Don't miss it. broadwayinchicago.com dot com. Thanks, guys. Have a great rest of the run. I would say break a leg, but for this show, I'm kind of scared to say that.
4: <laughs> right right. Thank Thanks so
0: much. You. Thank you. And now we take a look at a show called Wellesley Girl. It's playing at the Compass Theater, which is at Theater Wit, 1229 West Belmont. And yeah, it's about 90 minutes, no intermission. But, you know, you know, I typically cover politics on the TV side of things. And this is my theater world. But this show brings those worlds together. You'll understand as I talk to my next guest, James Fleming is the director of Wellesley Girl. James, thanks for being with me. And um congratulations. This show is going to play till February 5th. I find it, it's hard to describe. Well, what I know is this show takes place in the future, right? So um, talk to me about politics and social issues in the future.
6: That's right. Yeah. So the, uh, thanks for having me on. Um, the play takes place uh, in 2465, uh, and America has been reduced to just four small towns in Massachusetts, which are still committed to upholding the political practices of the United States, and um, And so they've been living this way for for several hundred years. And when the play begins, an army arrives at the gates claiming that they're the real America. And we watch as um, the citizens of these four towns, all of whom are required to serve in Congress, according to the Constitution, um, uh, have to decide what to do about this this army at the gates.
0: So as people watch it, how much do you anticipate that this show will resonate in terms of the current kind of political climate we've been living in the last period of years. Is that the point? Do we kind of go through this and feel like, yeah, this is what we've been dealing with?
6: Absolutely. I mean, I think that Brendan Pelsu, the playwright, is interested in um, our contemporary political moment, and in particular, the divisiveness that's that's, um, arisen in our body politic. Um, I think that he recognizes that a lot of Arguments are driven by passion and fear, um, and so so I think we look at um, some contemporary analogs certainly in terms of of um, you know the the rise of radical radicalization on on both the left and the right um, in America, and there's certainly parallels to be drawn. I'd also say that it's about a more primal question um, than our contemporary moment. What does it mean to live in a democracy at all what does it mean to be a citizen in a democracy and what is your responsibility um, in terms of service to your community um, when you're living uh, amongst society when do you make decisions out of self-interest and when do you um, pursue collective prosperity i think the the play is touching on really primal questions about about um, self-absorption versus collective good
0: and the truth is, those are questions today. I mean, the questions about the democracy, oh my God. Exactly. I mean, we're living it. Um, we couldn't be living it anymore. And that it's going to stay relevant for quite for a while now. So for folks who are listening who go uh, politics, I don't know. So let me ask you, does Brandon and his writing, you're the director, does the play lean left or lean right? Or is it really not about that? And people of all points of view will be okay as they sit through it?
6: I, I, it's my sincere hope that whatever your political beliefs, there is a place for you to participate in this story. Um, I think it's an opportunity to, to contemplate um, the points of view of, of your fellow citizens and understand why um, people feel the way they do um, and understand what motivates people to make the choices they make. We're obviously, you know, this play was originally programmed for um, the summer of 2020. And obviously, we could not have imagined um, the past couple of years that we've lived through. Um, But I think that these questions, um, you know, in our current moment are are more timely than ever in terms of asking, you know, what do you owe to yourself and, and, and when do you need to claim your own freedom versus when do you need to give up some of your freedoms in order for the for the good of society. Yeah, you know, I'm almost um, thinking,
0: had this been written later, the playwright could have probably opened this on January 6th. 20, and I don't mean open it as oh a play. God. I mean, the first scene could have been January 6th, you know, 2021, basically sending the message, what is democracy? And, and the thing is about this, and as I understand it, the, the characters have their own points of view, but we sort of get the sense as audience members that the, the, n- nobody is neither right nor wrong.
6: That's right. And and I think what the what the play realizes is that when you're making decisions for a collective and as a collective you won't be able to have all of the information you need in order to make the, you know, quote-unquote right decision. Um every moment we're doing the best we can. Um and that's what it means to self-govern. Um that's what it means to take on the weight of decision-making in a democracy, right? And, and to live in a democracy means that, that you believe um, that, that our community has the capacity to self-govern. Um, and what that means is that you're going to have to live with people with whom you disagree. Um, and you're going to have to, to do your best to make the best decision possible with the information you have at the time. And you're going to have to be ready to pivot um, if that decision does not go as you planned.
0: Well, I don't think there's any question that this is a show that Brandon, in writing it, um, probably couldn't have predicted where things were going to go, but it couldn't be more (laughs) relevant now. The show is Wellesley Girls at the Compass Theater at Theater Witt, 1229 West Belmont. It plays through February 5th. Tickets at compasstheater.com. Compass has two S's and theater is spelled the proper way, T-R-E at the end. Compasstheater.org. I'm sorry, compasstheater.org. James Fleming, the director of Wellesley Girl, congratulations on the show. Have a great run and thank you for giving people a lot to think about.
6: Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on.
0: You got it. Take care. Well, if you want to know more about what we've talked about here, follow me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at Paul Lisnek. That's P-A-U-L-L-I-S-N-E-K. And I'd love to hear your comments or topic suggestions for future podcasts. You can also go to my website, paullisnick.tv. And hey, don't forget to hit subscribe on WGN Plus and iTunes. And tune in each week to hear more Insider Scoop Coming to you from behind the curtain.